Hi everyone, I'm Amy, one of the co-chairs at Future Lawyers. I'm Lauren, the co-chair of Future Lawyers. We're so excited to have Jasper. He's a licensed barrister and solicitor in the province of Ontario. And upon completion of his LLB program at the Chinese University of Hong Kong, Jasper returned to Toronto and was accredited through the NCA process and was called to the bar in January 2020. Jasper is currently in private practice, practicing civil litigation, corporate law and real estate law. Hi, how are you hear me? today? Oh, not bad, not bad. You guys? <laughs> We're good. Thank you for joining us today. So, let's start with some questions that we've prepared. Sounds good. What is law school like at the Chinese University of Hong Kong? What were your experiences like? Well, first off, is a four-year program, right? The courses itself, you know, it's a little bit more extensive and whatnot. There's also a lot of different topics that need to go into it because so after law school, you have to take something called PCLL program, which is a postgraduate certificate in laws in order for you to actually get that accreditation to practice. So they actually have to fit a lot of information and content into those four years, you know, ranging from procedure to criminal law to constitution to administrative law and so on and so forth, right? So everything has to be in there. So for me personally, obviously, yes, there's a lot of reading involved. Yes, it's a lot of self study as well as, you know, not, not just attending classes and preparing for tutorials and all of that. But one thing for me anyway, that really gravitated towards this program is the presence of academic mentors as well as DPMs. So what a DPM is, is a distinguished professional mentor. So they were actually practicing barristers, solicitors, either current partners or even judges that the university has a, a connection with. And then they're actually assigned to you. So whatever questions that you have, you can actually ask your assigned DPM. And that actually gave me quite a bit of insight on the industry itself. So so, I mean, during this four years, obviously, you know, it's a lot of self-study preparation, all the other stuff. But for me, as long as you have an interest in the field, it wasn't too overwhelming. A follow-up question on that is, because you studied in Canada for high school, what was the thing that motivated you to go and study in Hong Kong instead of doing your undergraduate degree in Canada? So there's two things, actually. Because for me personally, I was actually born in Hong Kong. You know, going back to somewhere that I'm somewhat familiar with, you know, albeit it's been quite a period of time because I came here when I was really young. When when I was seven and then going back almost 10 years later. So, I mean, there's some sort of familiarity over there as well. So it wasn't too foreign. The second thing was going back to Hong Kong is for an undergrad program. And so it's right after high school. For here, as you may know, the undergrad program is not a law degree, right? And it's a postgrad degree. So you have to take your four years of undergrad, take your LSAT, and there's also no guarantee that you get into law school. So that's why when I got the offer, actually I got offers from both Hong Kong U as well as uh, Chinese U. I said, hey, might, you might as well just go just because admission wise, once you get into law school, I mean, then you get your degree, right? So that's one of the things that you know, kind of put me back. Might as well just go back to Hong Kong for, for that law degree. And I guess a follow up to that, it would be, would you recommend someone do an undergrad degree in law or just go and do a postgrad degree? in Canada? I would say it's a little bit different just because for LLB programs, so whether that be in Hong Kong or even UK, for some of the degrees, it's more so four years, right? And in UK, some of them is three years. But then for the JD program here, it's essentially four years, but it's three years plus articling, as far as I know. Once again, if you're planning to practice here, let's just say if you go to U of T or if you go to Osgood, then things might open up for you if you're planning to practice around Toronto. But obviously, if you go back to, let's say, you know, Hong Kong or some other jurisdiction, whether it be, you know, in Singapore, Australia or whatnot, and then you want to come back it's a more of a self-study process that you have to go through but once you get past that it's actually not too arduous the only problem with that is once you come back obviously if you don't have too much experience in terms of practice you may have to go through articling and that will be the big hurdle if you need to find an articling position
I guess going a bit further back, what made you interested in law and when did you decide that law school is something that you wanted to do and that you wanted to become a lawyer? When I was young, I actually do like doing debates and whatnot as well. So even in elementary school, I was actually part of the debate team. And I've always liked to look at issues in different ways. So not just either one way is correct or whatnot. And then talking to my parents about it, they said for personalities like that, why not take an interest in law? So I started doing some research and whatnot and just kind of had an interest for the field. And then as the years went by, even through high school and whatnot, I uh, gradually had an interest in law and then, you know, eventually applied, got into law school and then here I am. <laughs> And then what about your specialties? What we understand from what we understand, mm -hmm. you're doing civil litigation, corporate law, real estate law, <laughs> sort of a mix of different sectors of law, I guess. What made the decision? How did you come to decide which type of law you would like to do? So first off, all these fields are very different, right? So for me personally, I'm, I wasn't really too keen on practicing, let's say, in criminal. Just more of a civil type of, you know, mind, I would say. Obviously, there's a lot of rights and, and also ethics items that some people may consider a little bit more than others if you go into either field. But then for me personally, I've always wanted to go into civil a little bit more. And I guess going into it, there's also different types of lawyers as well. So there's transactional lawyers. There's also litigation lawyers, right? For me, if it's just doing transaction it's not necessarily the long-term goal that i do have so for me personally i actually like litigation a little bit more so that's why i chose to also practice a little bit of civil litigation as well as i said before you know doing law school in hong kong and then coming back you know is always a harder position to find simply because i personally didn't go through law school here so the connections are kind of limited that being said i also feel that doing general practice when you first start off you actually get your hands involved in a lot of different areas that way you actually get a lot more hands-on experience so that's one of the reasons why i chose to practice as general practice law firm and now I'm in kind of all three fields. Just going back to your decision to study in Hong Kong, you, do you regret making that choice or would you say it, I really like the path that I took? Not at all. I really don't think that there's any regrets going back to Hong Kong and coming back simply because if I stay here, there's no guarantee. Even though the program that I was going to get into if I stayed here in Canada, you know, is a very good program as well. has pretty good prospects. That was management and international business. That program in itself would have actually lended me towards a different path. And let's just say if I don't get to law school, then I'm practicing something completely different. Maybe you could just talk a little bit about that process of transitioning from you know law school in Hong Kong and coming back to Canada and doing your bar. Yeah. So in Hong Kong, it's four years for LLB program. And then afterwards, when you come back, so, so basically something called NCA, so National Committee of Accreditation, they have a list of countries that they do recognize uh, the law degrees from. So obviously, if you come from a civil law jurisdiction, well, let's just say basically most countries in Europe minus UK and some of the other countries that you can say that are not common law based, you will need to go through basically a legal education here in Canada, simply because the system's really different. But if you're on the list of approved countries, then when you come back, they'll actually assess your file. So so what they actually do assess is your academic background, how many years you've been in practice, what you've been practicing for, whether or not you have a practice certificate in certain jurisdictions or whatnot. And then there are five core exams that you have to take, regardless of whether or not you're practicing for 20 years, or if you're new, you're still going to have to go through those five exams. And those are foundations of Canadian law, criminal law, constitutional law, administrative law, and also professional responsibility and ethics. There's also other ones, for example, for contracts, for torts, or property law that you may or may not need to take depending on the 
academic requirements at you know your university that's abroad. So I do know based upon some communications that, for example, some people went to UK and then they came back. Some had to write nine exams simply because you know some courses of property law or torts or contracts they weren't a full year course by NCA standards. They just needed them to basically take that exam again. So that's why certain jurisdictions or certain qualified lawyers that are abroad when they come back they do have to take more exams. For me personally, I had to take the five plus another optional exam that I had to choose between one of three. And the reason for that is because I don't have a pre-law degree because in Hong Kong it's an undergrad degree. In essence, I still feel that that's worth it simply because four years of undergrad versus just one extra exam. I mean, it's not really too big of of an issue here. So doing six exams, it was okay. Uh, a lot of self-studying, but other than that, it's not too bad. So after you finish everything else that NCA has assessed, then you get something called a certificate. Once you get a certificate from NCA, then you have to take that certificate and then apply to law society. And for those of you who don't know, law societies are based upon provinces. So there's no such thing as a law society of Canada, so to speak. So it's a federation of law societies of the provinces. So then here in Ontario, our law society is Law Society of Ontario. So what I did then was I took the, my certificate that I got from NCA, which basically recognizes my law degree as the same as any other Canadian law graduate. And then you take that and then I apply to Law Society. And then you go through the usual process of articling, as well as writing the bar exam, as well as writing the solicitor exam. And then after you pass all that and you do your 10 months of articling, then basically you get your certificate of clerkship done. And then you submit it to Law Society and then you wait for yourself to get called. When you originally planned to go to Hong Kong, did you expect to have all of these exams to take when you were coming back and transferring all of the credits? Or is there anything else that kind of came up unexpected or that you wish you knew before you went to study in Hong Kong? The expectation of doing provincial exams is always there simply because if I were to go back the other way, let's just say I did my law degree here in Canada. So that's undergrad LSAT and then four years after I get licensed. And then let's just say I want to go back to Hong Kong to practice in Hong Kong is actually a little bit more stringent. Back then it was eight exams at the very least. Now I think it's up to 11 exams. So, you know, different jurisdictions have their different rules. So doing provincial exams wasn't really a big shock for me. The only question is how many. And then, as I said before, the five core exams everyone has to do doing one extra exam just because I don't have a pre-law degree, you know, it wasn't as bad, I would say. So overall, I would say it's really not that bad. And it wasn't really that shocking either, because coming back, I did expect there to be conversion exams to do. So it wasn't too big of a shocker. know that lawyers are very busy and have a lot of work to do and most of the time work very long hours how do you maintain that sanity if i may so i mean everyone has their own different kind of ways to de-stress right for me it's i think this is really big personally it's maintaining good relationships with family and friends as well because after a long day at work you know sometimes it really depends on which fields you're working at as well for example you know for litigations you get pretty crazy days right not just dealing with other sides lawyers but sometimes you're dealing with your clients and then you gotta explain this and that sometimes they don't really understand exactly you know as to all the procedures and whatnot that needs to go through for example after you get home you know just basically having a good support system really does help and and then also doing things that are basically in your interest. So for me, I do staff at cadets and I personally do enjoy giving back to the organization. I was a cadet for six years as well before. So for me, it's also a way to kind of take my mind off of the stresses during the day. And then also, you know, just giving back to the program. You can kind of call it a de-stressor as well. Also, obviously, you know, other hobbies, for example, playing sports, watching dramas and that kind of thing. Um, off topic, but what should people think about when they're considering whether they should go to the UK or Hong Kong with different systems? And I guess what are some benefits of going overseas to study instead of staying in Canada? 
if you're considering studying abroad, cost and time factors are very important, right? Because you have that opportunity cost as well. So you have to understand that in Canada, you have four years of undergrad plus LSAT, and then you apply for law school. There's also no guarantee that you get into law school, right? That's the first thing. Second thing is which jurisdiction are you looking at? Are you looking to stay at that jurisdiction, whether that be UK or Australia or the States or, or Hong Kong or, or so on and so forth? Are you thinking about doing the law degree and then coming back? So that's also another consideration as well. Because if you're thinking about practicing at that jurisdiction, obviously you have to know the language well, you have to know the customs. And if you're willing to work there, whether or not you also have a work permit or if you need a visa or whatnot, if you're thinking about potentially going there and staying there for a while and potentially getting residence or citizenship there as well, then that's also something that you do need to consider. If you're thinking about coming back, then obviously you need to think about how extensive that program is, whether that program would be you know more beneficial for you. And then also when you come back, that will also affect how many exams that you need to do. Because if you're taking, let's just say, you know, two or three year programs, then chances are when you come back, you're going to have to do a lot more exams versus let's just say a four year program. So these are some of the things that you need to consider. And also law degrees typically are more expensive if you go abroad. So let's just say if you go to UK, if you're paying international fees, those can rack up quite a bit. Plus you have to get residence. So that's also another factor that you have to think about. The second part of that question is if you do want to practice in Canada or you want to practice abroad, some of the things that I kind of alluded to before is you do have to kind of be aware of whether or not you want to actually settle down in that jurisdiction or not, because you kind of do have to know the customs because in terms of legal system and also the legal customs, every jurisdiction is a little bit different, even if it's common law jurisdiction, right? The way that it works in Hong Kong differs from the way that it works in Britain and also differs from the way that it works in the States and as well as here. These are kind of the things that you do have to think about before you actually commit to a particular jurisdiction. Speaking on the opportunity cost and I guess time versus knowledge that you gain in undergraduate in Canada, what do you lose from gaining an advantage time-wise and what would you say is an advantage of staying in Canada versus going to the UK and saving for you? In terms of opportunity cost, I mean, obviously the big one here is time. Let's just say the most streamlined process that you go through is the four years of undergrad plus the LSAT and then plus four years of law school. That's eight years in total. So if you go to UK, let's just say you take a three-year program or a four-year LLB program. Let's just say you take a four-year program. You come back for NCAs. You can do it basically any length from, let's just say three months. Well, actually you have to apply first. So let's just say half a year to a year and a half. So let's just take the average, let's just say one year. Then you got to study for your bar exams and your solicitor exams and also your articling as well. So let's just say it takes about a year or a year and a half. Add that all up, you're looking at around six and a half years versus essentially eight years. So you save about a year and a half to two years, give and take. But then the other side of it is cost. It also depends on which law school you go to here in Ontario. If you go to U of T, obviously the cost is much higher than if you go to some of the other ones, for example, like Queens or Western, in, in terms of actual monetary cost. If you go to UK, however, some of those universities can cost quite a bit, especially when you're international rates. You have to think about whether or not that kind of cost you can afford. That's the first thing. And second thing is whether or not that year and a half would be worth that amount of money that you're paying extra uh, potentially. But then for me personally, when I went back to Hong Kong, because as I said before, I was born in Hong Kong, right? So I do get offered the, the local rates. So I do save money and time. So that's one reason as well why it worked out for me. And then when I came back, overall speaking, in terms of when I started the practice, I'm actually one of the younger lawyers that have been called. You know, it's kind of a win-win situation there. What about knowledge-wise? If you do it undergrad, you gain knowledge from that program. But you don't do that program, is there like a like, do you lose something knowledge-wise? 
I think content-wise, it's about the same because when I was in university, I also did speak with some of the professors as well, and some of them actually do teach a JD program as well in Chinese U. So content-wise, it's about the same. In terms of the actual length, it's a little bit shortened, but every class is instead of two hours, it's three hours, and then it also becomes night school. So the setup is a little bit different, but content-wise, it's about the same because the knowledge that you need to know in order to practice is there's a basic line for that as well. But in terms of if you're talking about maturity, usually when you get into the undergrad programs, you're about 18. When you're talking about law school here, you're at least about 22, maybe 23, 24. So in actual practice, you would have more life experiences that you can draw from. When you look at, for example, cases, or when you're looking at some of the principles, when you look at jurisprudence, for example, you do have a little bit more to draw from. And then when you discuss and when you actually try to understand how it is that certain laws came to be, or the principles or the concepts that the laws are trying to achieve versus whether or not they're actually achieving, you might have a little bit more insight as opposed to the undergrads where, you know, you basically came out of high school. It's more exam oriented. So that kind of thinking may be a little bit different. That's why the experience may be a little bit different when you're actually in law school as an undergrad versus graduate program. So to wrap it up, if people were to take away one advice from this life, what would it be? Make sure you enjoy what you're doing. Why I'm saying this is because even if you get into law or you don't get into law, so this applies to everybody. If you don't like the field that you're getting into, it's just not going to be pleasant at all. I feel that it applies especially more into law because it's not even into practice. It's when you're going through the education. If you don't have an interest in law, you will find it quite dry. And then if you're interested, it actually pushes you to go through and to think more. And I do feel that this piece of advice does apply to basically any field. If you do enjoy things that you do in life, you will a do better because you're more immersed in it and you're more passionate in it. And number two, you'll enjoy it a lot more. So there's less stresses that you feel and there's also less chances of burnout. And number three, you're, you know, you're just more happy in the grand scheme of things. All right. Thank you so much, Jasper, for joining us and answering all of our followers' questions. So speaking of Hong Kong, we've actually expanded a new chapter into Hong Kong and also one in Singapore, two areas with similar law systems. So if any of you guys are interested in joining events in those areas or maybe even thinking of studying in Hong Kong or Singapore and then coming back to Canada, definitely follow them. And that's about it for today. Thank you, Jasper, once again. Have a good evening, everyone, or I guess morning, wherever you're from. <laughs> all right. All right, bye.